This is it, right here. Uh-huh. Then you gotta add some of the little tricks. Ah, ah, you'll be swinging. Uh-huh. It's the Daniel Glass Show on Drummer's Resource, offering a deeper look into Daniel's unique take on music, drumming, and life. Philosophy, motivation, musical deconstructions, and conversations with influential voices in the music industry. Hey everybody, it is Daniel Glass, and I am happy to be back on the Drummer's Resource podcast with another episode of the Daniel Glass Show. It's been a little while. I've been extremely busy in my life as a drummer, author, and educator, so I've been running around the planet and doing a whole bunch of stuff, creating online courses and uh, releasing a new record, all kinds of things. So I, I don't show up here as regularly as I have in the past, but Nick Ruffini, for those of you who don't know, uh, recently had a little baby girl, and he's taking a couple weeks off to... Uh, deal with that whole situation, get used to this new person in his life. So I'm kind of stepping in for the next couple of weeks and throwing down a couple of my podcasts. And this podcast is called How I Sold Out a Show on Two Weeks Notice. Um, Now that is sort of a slightly overblown title. It's not like I sold out the forum or even a huge theater on two weeks notice. I sold out a 45 capacity person jazz club on two weeks notice. Um, And while this may not seem like a big deal, you know, you try putting 45 people in a club when there was no such gig two weeks before and selling the room out. Uh, And that maybe part of what you're earning depends on how many people you're putting into that room. So, um... I want to just start before I jump into it. Nick always has these great quotes at the beginning of his shows, and I wanted to to give you one that I dug up that relates to this. It's from the great Johnny Carson, who, uh, for those of you of my generation, uh, he was the, uh, the, the, before Jay Leno hosted The Tonight Show, before Jimmy Fallon hosted The Tonight Show, uh, Johnny Carson hosted The Tonight Show. And so he was a legendary comedian and uh, and and really kind of, created the vibe of a modern day late night host. David Letterman modeled himself after Johnny. Jay Leno modeled himself after after Johnny. And anyway, this is a quote of his. And the quote is, desire, that is the one secret to every person's career, not education, not being born with hidden talents, desire. And when it comes to uh, selling out a show on two weeks notice, I think desire really plays a big part in it. You just say to yourself, I'm going to do this, and I don't know how, and I don't know where, but I'm going to make it happen. And the desire was there, and it happened. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about following your dreams and dreaming your way into your future on this podcast. Again, if you want to check out some of my earlier podcasts on the Drummer's Resource, just jump into the, uh, you can either go to my website, danielglass.com forward slash podcasts. Uh, or, and that has an actual list of all of the episode numbers and all the titles of the podcast. You can click on any one, it'll take you right to that episode. Or uh, you can put my name into the search function on the Drummer's Resource website and kind of find the same list. But I talk a lot about these things. I've been someone that has followed his dreams, didn't start out in this business. You know, I didn't grow up in a musical family. I didn't, what didn't have a parent that was a professional musician. I just uh, took a hard right turn when I was 23 years old, 22 years old, 
and decided this is what I was going to do. And so I really have built it from the ground up. And what I've learned over the years is that desire, obviously that's one thing we're talking about, but you know, that, that it is possible to follow your dreams. It is possible to set goals that maybe you never thought were possible or wouldn't be true. You know, for me, a lot of people say, well, yeah, if you're John Bonham, sure. But, um, or if you're, you know, whoever, name whatever famous drummer, you know, Nate Smith, like somehow these are magical people, but it really isn't. Everybody is, you know, has that, has those dreams and we all start out somewhere and it is possible to, to fulfill those dreams. So what's cool about that is the more that you fulfill your dreams, the more that you set goals and realize them, uh, the more that you realize it is possible. And so it allows you a little bit of freedom to set new goals to try to fulfill those. And it, it's never easy. And the, the fear and the, the intimidation of setting a new goal and having that same feeling of like, oh my God, can I actually do this is, is always there. But when you realize that you can do it once, twice, three times, you can do it. So um, just a super quick stepping back to set the stage the venue in question is a place called Maureen's Jazz Cellar. It's owned by a friend of mine, an excellent, excellent piano player, originally from Pittsburgh, but has been on the New York scene for years, named David Budway. And David had a very close musical relationship with his sister, Maureen, Maureen Budway, who was a fantastic vocalist. They did a lot of stuff together. They were uh, not only siblings, but musical siblings, really, as well. Uh, and unfortunately, Maureen passed away about eight years ago from breast cancer. She had a long struggle, which impeded her career. And of course, she died much younger than, um, than you know, than she should have. And so in her honor, David uh, opened up a club and named it after her. It's a, it's a great little jazz club. It is downstairs in a cellar. And um, so when my album came out, the I did a whole podcast about the process of putting together and marketing and selling an album in today's world and being a band leader in that sense. I did a podcast about that on Drummer's Resource fairly recently within the last maybe month or six weeks. But obviously with a new album, I'm trying to reach out, get more gigs for my group and build and develop a fan base, both on the local level here in New York and then on an international level using social media and, and, uh, digital distribution and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I had approached my friend David because I knew about this club and I just wrote to him and said, hey, you know, got this new album and uh, he knew the guys in the band. So I said, would love to play your club. And he got back to me and said, well, I don't, um, I only book like two months out. So these next two months are booked. So at the end of, you know, uh, I believe the end of June, give me a buzz. So I gave him a buzz at the end of June. And, or, you know, followed up on my email. And he said, yeah, got it. And that was it. Then like a few days later, he's like, hey, we just had a cancellation and it's just, it's for July 16th. Now this was July 2nd that he got in touch with me. It's, it's the July 4th weekend. And so he's basically saying in two weeks time, it was Saturday, July 2nd, Saturday, July 16th, somebody canceled. Can you do it? So I scrambled, I thought about it. Was it enough time? to really properly mount a show, were my guys available, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and looked at it and said, yeah, let's go for it. Because if not now, when? You know, wanted to get on the books. Now, of course, there were a lot of difficulties involved to be considered. First of all, it was July 4th weekend when I booked the gig. So a lot of people were not available, out of town. 
I was trying to figure out how am I going to promote this? How am I going to get this happening? Of course, the clock is ticking heavily at that point because you literally have 14 days. Um, I had 14 days to put this together. Uh, secondly, the other big problem is that the venue, Maureen's, is not in New York City. It's in a little town called Nyack, which is about mm, 50 minutes or an hour north of New York uh, in uh, upstate, what we would start to call upstate New York. I think it's in Rockland County. And um, it's on the other side of the Hudson River. So, you know, I don't, my base of operations is New York City. I know a lot of people in New York City. Uh, so I had my my uh, task cut out for me. So what did I do? Well, first thing I had to do was to check and see the availability of my musicians. And sure enough, on such short notice, my bass player was not available. Um, this was a big issue because uh, I've been working with these guys for six years. And uh, I should mention their names, Sean Harkness as the guitarist, Michael O'Brien as the bass player, both amazing, amazing musicians. Um, by the way, if you would like to see the band in action, um, I recommend that you, uh, let's see, what's the easiest way to see the band in action? Uh, I have a, a, a page dedicated to the band. Actually, if you just go to the to the front page of my website, danielglass.com, you can click on the album cover and that should take you to the page where you can uh, you can listen to the record uh, via any of the streaming platforms. You can buy the record, you can see some live videos, etc. So I'm going to double check that link, but that'll take you to the Daniel Glass Trio page. Uh, it's a great band and the album is called BAM, B-A-M, exclamation point. Uh, so anyway, you know, these guys, because they're so good, they're also extremely busy as freelancers and only the guitar player was available. So another problem now is I've got to figure out if I want to do the gig and if so, who am I going to get as a sub? Because, you know, in the world of jazz, okay, you can get subs. It's more permissible than, say, if you're a rock band. Uh, and I ended up talking to Sean, the guitarist, and he recommended uh, Jennifer Vincent, who is a fantastic bass player. And I have only done swing gigs with her. I'd never done like a real contemporary straight ahead jazz gig with her. I thought, okay. So I had to reach out to her, make sure she was available. She was. So, you know, all these things are kind of happening all at once. I'm, I'm you know, dealing with promotion. I'm trying to make sure that everything is, is cool, trying to find a sub. Basically, we had one rehearsal with Jennifer at my apartment uh, of course, I can't set up a full drum set because I live on a sixth floor apartment in the middle of the Upper West Side of New York City. So, you know, it, it was complicated. I ended up having to uh, borrow an amp because uh, Sean was in, was had some other thing happening the day of the rehearsal. He couldn't bring an amp with him. And, you know, so Jennifer could just go acoustic, literally no amp. I have a pad drum set and I had to play extremely quietly. I have the quiet cymbals and the Aquarian super pads. Um, and uh, so, you know, but when you have that kind of a rehearsal, you can't really play out and you don't really know what it's all going to sound like. So um, had to get a sub, had to have a rehearsal. Um, so what else did I do? Well, the first thing that I did was I looked kind of, I, I made a flyer. And the way I want to talk about this is, is, is selling out a club in two weeks notice takes a large skill set and not only in terms of your hustle in terms of your game but also in terms of your 
technological capabilities. I am not one to sit around and wait for anybody else to do anything for me. So over the years, I've trained myself in a program that's called Swift Publisher. It's specifically made for Macs. I believe when I got it, it was free. And I think they're up to Swift Publisher 4 or 5 now. Um, it may still be free. Go ahead, check it out. It is a layout and design program. It's like Photoshop, but it's much easier to use and much more user-friendly. And there's much less of a steep learning curve. And it's for Macs. So I, many years ago, learned how to use this program. I've made flyers. I've made posters. My book, uh, my 152-page book, The Commandments of Early Rhythm and Blues Drumming that I put out with Zorro uh, and with Alfred, I laid that whole entire book out in Swift Publisher. The entire book and handed it all off to Alfred as one giant PDF file, which they then took and, and did the layout on um, in, in, in a more professional program. But literally, I gave them an entire finished book that was laid out so before they even decided whether they were going to you know, publish it or not. So you know, I'm not one to wait around, like I said, and I just do what needs to be done so I can get to my goal. That's part of what the whole desire thing is about that I was talking about. So anyway, I threw together a flyer. By the way, the flyer was, um, I had just done a photo shoot for the album. That was a whole process. Um, what I had wanted in the photo shoot, we did some stuff outside and we did the photo shoot in January. It was 24 degrees outside. And we went up on the roof of the photographer's building. So we were about eight floors up. It was so cold, I can't even tell you, but we couldn't be in our overcoats. We had to make it look like, you know, we were just out there for a photo shoot because you're going to look at this photo any time of the year and you want it to be um, a photo that just looks like cool guys on a rooftop. So we did that and then we came downstairs and my buddy, who's the photographer, can design his whole apartment. Uh, he could do photo shoots in his apartment. He has backdrops and different lighting. And so I decided after being so cold, I wanted to do something fun and different. And we set up a white backdrop. And I, you know, most jazz album covers are dark. They're very serious. Shows the, the you know, whoever the artist is looking cool, maybe with sunglasses and uh, smoking. You know, all they think of all those famous Blue Note covers. No one's ever smiling. No one's ever uh, up and happy you know it's dark and it's serious right that's what you think of when you think of a jazz cover and i was like i don't want to do that i want to do something totally different because the vibe of the music to me if you listen to the record is fun and spontaneous of course most jazz is somewhat spontaneous but the idea is we have a great time when we play we kind of get goofy and crazy when we play there's a cover of Smoke on the Water on the record. You know, there's, it's not all super heavy and super intense. Hopefully it's fun and user-friendly. So the idea was, I said, all right, guys, I want each of you with your instrument to just do weird things. And we did this great photo shoot, the indoor part, where every guy just started getting nuts. And, you know, guitar player holding his guitar upside down, sitting it on the ground and, you know, just doing weird stuff. And I did, I kicked towards the camera and I, um, you know, did 
just like walk like an Egyptian with my sticks and my snare. And the more we did this, the more fun we had. And we started really having fun. Whereas the stuff on the roof, we were so cold. It's a very serious look, you know, on, on the roof. So anyway, what I ended up with was a fantastic collection of photos of, of the band members on a stark white background. And I had several shots of me on a stark white background. So being that I had a sub and I didn't want to use the full band photo because we didn't have the same bass player, I used one of these shots. And I'll put the, the flyer up that I put together. And I juxtaposed, uh, I went on the internet, I grabbed the logo for Maureen's, which was on a purple kind of a background. And I created all the information on one side of the flyer with a purple background. And then on the other side of the flyer, it's me uh, doing my kick on an all white background. It's this great juxtaposition. And, you know, I've been doing, you might say, graphic design for quite a while, uh, using the Swift Publisher program and getting a little bit better and a little bit better all the time. So, you know, this this has to do with what I what I call long-term preparation. You have immediate preparation and then you have long-term preparation. And I'm always bettering my skills, always preparing for what is going to be the eventuality coming down the road. So, you know, I, by the time this gig shows up, I'm able to make a flyer very quickly that looks pretty professional and is the graphic design on it looks good and it's a striking uh, poster. So I make the poster, get the information on there. Um, then, well, what am I going to do with this poster? Well, certainly I'm going to have them put it up at the club. So I take care of that. <laughs> It's time to design your dream kit. You have a sound and look in your mind's eye, and it's time to make that dream a reality. Your sound emerges from the choicest materials and is constructed using the exclusive Sonar Optimum shell measurement construction, utilizing slightly undersized shell diameters, allowing the drum head the space to float freely with unrestricted bearing edge contact. Your look emerges through the ultimate selection of veneers, hand-polished lacquers, and premium coverings to create the stunning look of your dreams. Design yours today at sq2-drumsystem.com. DB1 drumheads and cymbals allow all drummers to hit hard in the middle of the night without a single noise complaint. DB1 drum heads and cymbals provide the natural tone and genuine feel of an acoustic kit, but only produce 20% of the volume of acoustic heads. These are Evan's first drum and cymbals to include proprietary technology that allows for unmistakable and authentic feel, crack, and buzz in an acoustic kit at one-fifth the noise level. Drummers, your neighbors can sleep, your midnight jam sessions can continue, all thanks to Evan's, the most technologically advanced drum heads on earth. Now, as I'm, I'm doing this, the owner, David Budway, tells me that there's a drum shop, amazingly, right around the corner from where the club is. And it's called the Long Island Drum Center. It's owned by a guy named Frank Colonado. There's actually two, there used to be five in the day, five Long Island Drum Centers. Only one of them was actually on Long Island. Um, and now there are two left. There's one on Long Island uh, run by a super nice dude named Dennis Ritchie, 
Uh, I, uh, I believe that's his name. Um, I've done a clinic there many years ago, and here was the other one. And I'd heard about this shop, but I'd, I'd never been there. So I called the shop. I talked to Frank Colonado. I said, man, you know, I was thinking maybe I could do a clinic there as a way to promote the gig, something like that. Um, but it was a great excuse for me to introduce myself to the owner of a new drum shop. Uh, and and let, obviously let him know about the gig, but also say, hey, I don't know if you, you know, you may not know me, but, right? So this is kind of another point to be made uh, about life as a professional musician and really i think life as a as an entrepreneur and business person is that you have to look at everything that comes your way as an opportunity to continue to grow to prepare to to get set for whatever the next step is you know and it may be that this is not the moment i do a clinic with frank colonado but this is a moment to introduce myself to share who i am and to say hey man i got a gig in two weeks happening could you put up a flyer and it took us a, a day or two of i spoke to him briefly then we emailed back and forth and then it turns out that his printer is broken so he's like if you can get the flyers up here i'll put them up now nyack's an hour north of new york city so what do i do i get on the internet and i look and see if there's any printing places in the nyack area and the other thing he said was I could put a couple up in the windows, but if you can make those like four per, you know, per page, uh, I will uh, put them put those on the counter. So you know the idea is you got to hit people. Anyone who's coming into that drum shop, I want them to see it on the way in on the window. I want them to see it uh, on the counter. And so I spent the extra time. I made the four per page version. I call the printing shop. I sent it up to the printing shop. I pay for it on my own, you know, and you might think a lot of people might be like, well, the dude's printer's broken. All right. Well, too bad. No, there's always a way. Desire, desire, desire. Okay. There's always a way. If one way doesn't work, what's the next way? It's not about is this or isn't this going to work? It's about what is the way to get this to where it works. Now, I don't know how many people may have seen the flyer. I don't know how many people may or may not have come to the gig because of the flyer in the drum shop but it really doesn't matter because i'm laying groundwork we don't know what's going to happen but i can almost guarantee you something is going to happen with the long island drum center in nyack in the future so there's the drum shop and by the way i ended up printing a couple of extra posters and i said you know and then it turned out david budway went and got them and they put him up in the drum shop and then he was able to put one in the door because i should mention he does one printing every month big poster in his window i'd already missed the uh the july printing because it was too late and so he just put a a, a flyer up on the on the door of the club you know now i'm not going to assume that just because the daniel glass trio has been booked at maureen's that suddenly everyone's going to come out on a Saturday night, nor am I going to assume that the club has walk-in traffic that's going to pack the place, right? It's July, people are out of town, people are doing other things, it's a weekend night, it's a busy night. So, you know, I am, I am under the assumption that I'm going to fill this room on my own. I'm not going to wait for anybody or anything, and I didn't even bother to ask him, like, do you have like a regular walk-up crowd, you know, which is what a lot of people hope for, I don't even ever make that assumption. 
And especially with my own trio, my goal is I'm going to sell out every room I play in. And if not, I'm going to go down fighting, you know, um, because there's no time to waste. Every gig is life or death. Every gig we got to play great. Every gig has got to be special. Every gig has got to be packed. Desire, right? I don't, I'm, you know, this is my group, my name, my future. It's a project that I've been working towards for six years, really. I've been playing with these guys for six years. We did the album in 2020. It took us almost a year and a half to get the record out because of COVID and took me a little while to, to find the right label. So, you know, and with all three of us being extremely busy, we don't have that many opportunities, at least not right now, to play. It's slow getting the, the booking dates. I'm just starting to set all that up. Anyway, so that's my attitude. That is my attitude about every gig I play. That's my attitude about every, you know, everything that I do. It's like impression, first impressions are make or break. So um, next, how am I going to get people to come? I've got the flyer out. Uh, and obviously, uh, I did a blast to my newsletter list. This gives us a good chance to talk about newsletter. By the way, I also did a social media blast. Um, we could go on and on and on about social media, about newsletters. But over time, and again, this is the idea of preparing for something that will then bear fruit maybe 10 years, 12 years down the road. But I've been assembling my mailing list for probably at least 20 years, maybe 25 years. And, you know, every person I meet, I get their email address. I mean, any person I meet that I might have some kind of professional connection to, anybody that expresses interest in my career, uh, people that I meet at gigs. Um, if I do clinics, I always have a mailing list sheet available. When I go to drum shows, I have a mailing list sheet available. I always just casually mention, hey, um, you know, make sure you sign up on the on the list if you're interested in learning more about what I'm doing. And, you know, when Royal Crown Review was touring, I used to have, we used to have fans, this was me again, by the way, walking around with the damn mailing list around our gigs, not waiting for people to come, you know, to us. Um, and so, um, over the years, I have amassed this list of around 12,000 people. It goes up, it goes down. So I did a big blast to my email list. Of course, I included the poster uh, on the side. Um, it's a dramatic image and gets people's attention. You know, that's partly why I did the album cover the way that I did. Um, and social media, you know, I put up a video clip of the trio. By the way, the video clip I put up was us at our CD release, which was back at the end of April. And even though, once again, um, there was a lot going on at the CD release, I hustled, I made sure I sold out the night, and I, uh, I really uh, worked hard to, um, uh, to, to get that happening. But I also made sure I had people come in and videotape I had, or, you know, uh, record audio and video. Uh, I, I paid extra to have the um, uh, sound guy there uh, multi-track it so I could mix the audio. So I had great videos from a sold-out show, and that's what I'm posting now. So I posted one of those to Facebook, got a lot of great reaction. I said, we're going to be at Maureen's. Here's the details. I've learned from social media that you don't put an external link 
in the body of your post on Facebook because Facebook will limit your engagement. So I always put the link in the comments section, right? But I'm on it, I'm hustling. And again, I've worked hard on my Facebook page over the years now. I've gotten about 67,000 followers on Facebook. Uh, and that is, you know, uh, another way I can reach people. Now, I also thought of everybody I knew in the Nyack area. Uh, and Nyack's a pretty hip town. And there's quite a few musicians who live up there because it's, you know, like I said, an hour from New York City, but you're in a more of a suburban environment. And Nyack is kind of a cool hipster town, uh, which is why they have, um, you know, a drum shop and a jazz club <laughs> in a town within spitting distance of each other. You're only going to maybe find that in kind of a, a hipper town where there's a lot of culture, all that kind of stuff. So I got in touch with um, people that I knew up there, uh, which was just a few people. But the, the idea, hopefully, is they would let others know. Turns out that a all three of the musicians I contacted who live up there were working already that night. So, okay, maybe that's a hit. Maybe that's a miss. Um, then I asked my wife, because my wife likes my music. Thank goodness. She likes to come to shows, including the Jazz Trio uh, shows. And I thought about, you know, turns out she works in... Uh, in audio, in audio post-production. And a lot of her colleagues who are sound engineers, they do, you know, Foley and um, audio dialogue editing uh, and other kinds of audio work on film and TV shows. So they're tangential to music. A lot of them are ex-musicians or musicians for fun, uh, or they mix music as well. And um, so she got on the horn and immediately contacted any colleague she could think of that was within, say, 50 miles. People in Connecticut, people in Jersey, people in Westchester County. Um, and so uh, we got a few people out of, out of that. And it ended up turning into kind of one of her uh, former bosses, the company she used to work for, which was in the same industry, but a smaller company. Uh, it, it turns out that he lives right in Nyack. And so it turned into maybe it could have been like a... A kind of a, a a reunion of folks that used to work at her previous company. She was there for 21 years. So she reached out. Um, another excuse for people to actually listen to the record, to see the video of the band live, you know, because you might say, well, my husband's band is playing. Well, they don't, they maybe have never seen me. They don't know if I'm a decent musician or not, but you give them some place to go and something to watch. All of a sudden they're like, wow, this is cool. This album sounds cool. This band looks great yeah we'll go check it out you know so that was another um uh, pathway that we took um and just anything that came to mind <laughs> any person that came to mind i reached out to them former students of mine living up in that area you know and it's Always when I reach out to people, what I try to figure out is how can I not just say, I'm playing here, come see me. How can I make it something they would be interested in? How can I find a way that to connect with them? So I think about the emails that I send, the personalized emails. Of course, I'm sending a mass email, um, but that's all a part of it. So interestingly, um, we get to the day of the show and 
one of the things I wanted to do was that day was go up early and go to the drum shop, check in, say thank you to Frank Colonado. By the way, if any of you are in that area, um, sort of Westchester um, and uh, Rockland counties, uh, Bronx area, Jersey, just, you know, Northern Jersey, uh, it's a great drum shop really great and he's a super cool guy so i highly recommend it long island drum center nyack anyway i hung out at the shop it was old school he's like a small business owner it's a small shop but great stuff some vintage stuff all my favorite things he was like what books do you have do i have your books so you know i was i took the opportunity to kind of promote myself and let him know about me maybe lay the groundwork for something coming up down the road we chatted about the drummers that were in town um, we had a lot of people in, in common that we knew, et cetera, et cetera. So I did that first. Then the club opened. We went down to the club. Well, guess what? Got down to the club. I found out they already had 35 pre-sales. Uh, so, or 35 reservations, which was amazing. So in two weeks of hustle, you know, I went from nobody knowing what was going on to 35. And by the time we got to the show that night with walk-ins, you know, there were some walk-ins, people just friends of the club um we uh it was sold out now a lot of people there i knew because they had come because or i was connected to them because they had come because of my promotion so uh, my wife her boss and his wife ex-boss and his wife were there two other four other colleagues of friends of theirs showed up um and then i had a bunch of families of former students not only drum students but i've done uh, homeschool teaching where I teach, I've taught maybe for five or six years, high school, junior high, and, and high school students. I've gone through several generations of those already uh, about history of music and, and it, the, the American history through music. So it's a history course, but it's also a music course. And as you all know, I'm very into history. And I sort of have taken what I did in my Century Project DVD, which is looking at 100 years of drum evolution and just sort of expanded that to talk about general music evolution as it relates to american history so some of those folks who live up in that area they come down to my monday gig at birdland a lot because their kids that i taught are performers themselves they came out and brought a party of six one of my former drum students his whole family came out party of four then i some people that were off my list came a woman that I did a swing dance event with, who's a swing dancer, maybe 10 years ago. Haven't seen her in forever. She and her husband came down. Um, another guy who I didn't know at all, but is a huge fan of mine, came and brought a drum head and brought my Century Project, you know, uh, DVD to be signed. Um, so it, you know, it was a great night. And Jennifer, the sub, did her homework. I got her charts. I got her recordings. Um, so she had all the materials. She really busted ass. Uh, we had a very short little sound check. You know, you don't want to save all that for sound check. Sound check should just be a sound check. One of the things that makes me nuts about band leaders is often that they make the sound check a rehearsal and they want to run the whole show on the sound check. Not all that cool. It sort of is custom in the cabaret world, which is a little frustrating because I do a lot of stuff in the cabaret world here in New York, but I don't want to do that. And to me, it's better to be prepared and rehearsed before you get there. So Jennifer did a great job and 
we crushed it. We played great. So that's my story about how I sold out a club in two weeks time. In reality, it's not about selling out a club in two weeks time. It's about using your life skills and fulfilling your desire to succeed in a way that you're prepared when an opportunity arises. There's no such thing as luck. I always say this, and you probably heard that phrase that luck happens when preparation meets, uh, am I screwing it up? No such thing as luck. When preparation meets opportunity, you make, you make your own luck happen. So, you know, I was prepared. I got an opportunity. I made it happen. And I plan to do this, whether it's a gig that I get six months from now, or it's a gig that I get tomorrow. I am always ready and trying to be ready and be prepared. And, you know, so that, that is hopefully the lesson you'll take away from this. Hopefully I didn't blather on too much about it, but maybe you can apply some of these own ideas and concepts to your own um, gig uh, schedule or how you book your gigs or how you prepare uh, to, to bring your fan base out. Everything's an opportunity. It really is. So with that note, I just want to thank Nick for letting me sit in. I will probably have another podcast up next week. Um, and it's it's been great. It's just been great. And if I could do anything for any of you, uh, if you're interested in getting your drumming together, if you're interested in getting your career stuff together, I'm now doing career coaching. I have a three-month program that I'm about to drop. Really excited about that. Uh, and um, that's what it's all about. Employability, following your dreams, living the life you want, doing things on your terms and getting it going. And I am been doing that for 32 years, people. It's my 32nd year in the business. And every year that goes by, life gets better because all the groundwork I've laid continues to pay off. Dreams that I've fulfilled, I have new ones, and I'm building on what I've done before. So again, it's not an ego thing. It's I want to do what I want to do in this life. I don't want to go to my grave with regrets that I didn't follow through with something or that I didn't pursue something to the nth degree. Maybe I'm not going to succeed at everything I try, but I'm sure going to damn well try. And I've got the desire. So that's it for me. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Keep swinging, keep killing it, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.